Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wiglet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Two, two, boom! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know! That just happened! That just happened! Touch that dial. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, I'll tell you what, what a week in harness racing it has been. And also wagering, uh, so to speak, uh, with uh, the addition of sports wagering now being allowed in the United States. Uh, obviously, it was allowed in Las Vegas and Delaware on the parlay feature. But now the Supreme Court just uh, really made a big ruling and it affects a lot of people. Yeah, it certainly does. It sent the shockwave through the uh, racing community, through basically a, a lot of different communities. And I got to tell you, Mike, I have read so many articles on this thing, and I am with every article I read, the more confused that I get because it seems like every article says something different. And obviously, in our little corner of the world, right here in the sport of harness racing, and in a little bit of a bigger picture, the sport of horse racing. We are trying to put this in perspective is, okay, how is this going to affect us? How is this going to benefit us? And I think that's the million-dollar question, Mike, and I think that's the question that we have to get answered from our point of view. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how it all plays out. And uh, we're actually going to spend about the first half hour or so talking about sports betting and, uh, you know, what the – what the pros, what the cons are, and uh, where we go from here. We've actually got Darren Zakali on hold. He'll be up first. He um, is from TVG, and uh, he's written a lot of great stories. Uh, if you haven't checked out his story about um, breeding numbers and things of that sort, he really put a lot of work into that, Mike. And, uh, you know, as scary as those numbers are, what a great job he did with that story. Well, of course, it's a dose of reality, I think, to the harness racing world, one that the harness racing world's going to have to accept going forward, whether they like it or not. But, uh, you know, this, uh, with this whole sports betting thing, Darren has been really on top of it. He's been, you know, he's a Jersey resident. I mean, he, he was there right, right since the onset back in 2014 when the legislature actually passed, you know, the, uh, the referendum to okay sports gambling there. And obviously the, the federal government was the stumbling block and, and this, it's a stumbling block no longer. So now we just have to figure out how this, how this thing's going to play out. We're also going to be joined by Jason Settlemore at about 1045. Of course, the 
uh, general manager at the Meadowlands, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about how it's going to affect the Big M. I know Jeff Corral is going to be joining Dave Brown in the Sulky, the Meadowlands pregame show coming up on Friday. So it's going to be interesting to see what Jeff says. It's going to be very interesting to see what Jason has to say here coming up at about 1045. Plus, we're also going to uh, talk about one of our favorite subjects, Mike Pacing for the Cure. Janine Gessick is going to be joining us, and she has got some special guests of her own that are going to be joining the program here today. That's going to be towards the top of the hour, so that will be a lot of fun as well. Plus, we're going to dive just a little bit into the Preakness with the natural Richard Matea. That shouldn't take too long. We've got a one-to-nine shot in there. But uh, who knows? I mean, sloppy track, and they still have to run them on the racetrack. And then, of course, Mike, Matt Kikaley is going to be joining us. And uh, obviously, this is uh, certainly a sweet moment for Matt because when he took that tumble a little while back, things weren't necessarily looking so good right at the outset, were they? No, not at all. Uh, we actually did a story in the Post Times newsletter on Matt Kikaley and uh, his injuries. And I'll tell you what, uh, he has really fought hard to come back. Uh, we posted a picture of him, uh, thanks to Sarah Murphy. Uh, uh, with his recovery coming back, uh, kind of jogging some horses, getting ready to return to the races on Saturday at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. So we'll talk to Matt Kikaley as he uh, makes his, tw- or I, wanna, I was going to say 2018 debut, but uh, he's already raced in 2018, Mike. So he makes his uh, debut after uh, his injury at Yonkers Raceway. All right. Well, without further ado, I get, we've got important stuff to talk about today. So we're going to kind of forego the opening commercial that we usually do. In preparation for our first guest, so we're going to bring our first guest in right now. His name is Darren Zocali. Darren works at TBG. Obviously, uh, he worked at the Meadowlands for uh, quite a while, and he's a New Jersey resident, and he's really been on top of this sports uh, gambling thing right from the get-go. So let's bring Darren in. Darren, how are you? Oh, good, Mike, Mike. I'm out in uh, Los Angeles at our TBG offices. Uh, it was an exciting week. I was actually on the plane when the uh, when the Supreme Court decision came down, so my week of what I had planned to come out here and, and have meetings on kind of changed uh, during the flight over. So <laughs> it has been an interesting week for me, for uh, just from my uh, business standpoint, with working with TVG, who is obviously owned uh, by Patty Power Betfair, who is one of the largest um, sports exchanges and, and sports sites in the world. So uh, you know, it's been it's been a rather crazy week for us, and uh, we've had our ear to the ground on just about everything, but. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be a, a very interesting stretch of time now to see how this all pans out for sure. Darren, let's go back to square one. Now, New Jersey's been on the ground floor of this thing, and they actually have the infrastructure in place to get the ball rolling immediately on this thing. And and they set the stage up back in 2014. Now, for those people, uh, for those horsemen, for the racing fans that are listening, that may not be totally up to speed as to why New Jersey's on the ground floor when it comes to sports gambling. Take us back in time. What actually happened in 2014 to kind of set the table to where we are today? Sure. In 2014, New Jersey passed a state law that allowed sports wagering to take place at racetracks and casinos uh, within the state. And in that law, there were different definitions for what qualified as a racetrack and a casino, and there's a lot of fine print to that. Um, However, there was a federal law called PAPSA, which did not allow sports wagering other than Uh, the current locations, one obviously being in Nevada. Uh, You mentioned the one in Delaware. There's also two others that I always forget, two obscure states that you wouldn't think of that have some form of uh, sports wagering in. Um, And what ended up happening was that the leagues, uh, mainly the NFL, 
uh, and also the NCAA, uh, they filed for a restraining order against the state of New Jersey, saying they're not allowed to conduct sports wagering regardless of what kind of law they passed in, within the state because there is a federal law. Uh, and uh, they filed a restraining order. And in response to that restraining order, uh, then the state of New Jersey uh, appealed that ruling, which went all the way up to the Supreme Court, uh, and basically on the notion that the federal law, which bans sports wagering uh, throughout the country, uh, is unconstitutional. Uh, and that is the case that uh, you found the decision out on Monday. And now with the federal ban no longer in place and the Supreme Court basically saying we're going to leave this up to the states to decide for themselves, because New Jersey has already passed a law within their state, they have a law that says sports betting is legal. There's no more federal ban. So they are now the first state in place to be able to accept wagers on sports. Now, Darren, uh, obviously uh, there's been a roller coaster of news stories over the past couple of days, uh, one coming out yesterday uh, from NewJersey.com saying that uh, Monmouth Park was going to try to open on Memorial Day, but now it seems like they uh, may have gotten kind of uh, held up uh, legislation-wise. Legislation and um, what are they working on? And I couldn't really get a grasp as to what the big holdup was. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it's a big holdup. I think I, I think it's important that this gets done right rather than gets done quickly. I understand that at Monmouth Park, uh, with them you know, having their meat off and running, and they want to get as much money into the track as possible, that there is a sense of urgency to have everything in place. But I, I do think it's more important that everything be done correctly and that because the leagues are going to be watching this very closely, and you don't want to step out of bounds on, on anything that you do and have a misstep at all. And uh, I believe that the Senate Dennis Drazen and said, look, let's just, you know, make sure we have all our ducks in a row here. Let's make sure that everything, you know, is, is up and up and, and ready to go and there's no missteps here. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. let's take our time with this and, and, and not be in such a rush to just turn these machines on and, and go. And, and I think that's the smart move. Uh, obviously, you're in the middle of the baseball season, and that's fine. But I, I think everybody has, like, a big circle probably around week one of the NFL and, and you want to make sure that you have everything up and running and all the bugs out of your system before that. So uh, my feeling is that that's probably what it comes down to, probably to make sure that everybody understands the law that's written in New Jersey perfectly and that there are no missteps or any other issues that could arise from, you know, the, the first day that you take bets. Visiting with uh, TBG's Darren Zocali talking about the uh, sports gambling law that's uh, getting sent to yeah, go on to New Jersey. Now, Darren, obviously we're in a little corner of the world here uh, with the sport of harness racing. And uh, obviously I've had a lot of tweets, questions. Well, how is this going to affect us? How is this going to benefit us? Or in turn, maybe in some cases, how is this going to hurt us? Darren, where, where do we stand right now in the sport of harness racing in, in relation to what's going on here? I, I mean, it, it really is going to come down to, to a state-by-state -state situation and a racetrack uh, obviously, any racetrack that is able to offer sports wagering in their building are going to bring in additional revenue, which will make things easier on the racetrack. Um, the tracks that already have casinos in place, you know, don't have necessarily the financial needs of a track like the Meadowlands that, that doesn't. Uh, so obviously, any kind of additional revenue that stems from anything other than bets on horse racing uh, are going to help the racetrack initially. Obviously, People talk about how is it going to help harness racing. You're talking about the quality of the product. 
You're talking about purses and how it's going to help the horsemen. Now, that comes down to every racetrack uh, having an agreement with their horsemen mm-hmm. on allocating money that is gained from sports wagering revenue towards purses. Uh, and, and that's really going to be up to you know, every racetrack and horseman to decide unless the law that's written in the states clearly states that some of the money shared – some of the money that's gained at the racetracks has to be shared with the horsemen. Um, there is nothing in New Jersey – in black and white that says that you know, the, the bill that was written does not say uh, that if the racetrack has sports wagering, that they must share a certain portion with the horsemen. Uh, that's seemingly going to be up left up to the racetracks to decide. Now at Monmouth park, the racetrack is run by the horsemen's association. They are the operators of the track. So for them, it's really all one giant pot and they're basically paying themselves. Mm-hmm. Obviously the Meadowlands, uh, Jeff Corral, would need to allocate money to the horsemen uh, and come up with an agreement with them. Uh, I don't believe any agreement exists, or at least not one that I'm aware of at this point. doesn't mean that one can't come. Uh, but basically, throughout the harness racing industry, it'll come down to one thing, or two things. First of all, does the law written in the state require the track to give money to the horsemen for purses? And two, if it does not, will the track do it anyway? Uh, and that's, that's basically all, all it is. Now, Darren, obviously, uh, with, with with this whole thing, you know, there's been questions of, you know, whether or not it's going to help racing, whether or not it's going to kind of take away from racing. And one thought that I read this week was that kind of people have their people have their budgets for gambling, whatever it is, whether it be a thousand dollars a month or you know two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars a month. And, and some people feel that it's going to people are going to more so pull from one to kind of you know to kind of supplement the other and not necessarily bring that funds back to harness racing. How, how do you feel that that's going to affect some of those gamblers? Yeah. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people in a lot of different places that have varying opinions all across the spectrum of, uh, of that topic. Um, I don't think there's one easy answer. I think you can't just define a gambler uh, by a strict term. There are gamblers that have a budget and there are gamblers that don't have a budget. Uh, there are gamblers that are going to be interested in sports betting and may allocate some of their horse racing dollars to them, and there are gamblers that may not. Um, I, I think the, the real caveat to this whole thing is what element is going to occur in terms of online sports betting, uh, making it easier for people to bet on sports. In other words, in New Jersey, the original law did not include a provision that said people would be able to and racetracks. Now that being said, they tried. They recently put out a tax bill for sports betting this week since the news broke, and that tax bill did include a separate tax rate for bets that were placed online, which would indicate that maybe the existing law is going to change to include online wagering. Now, why is that important? Well, it makes it much easier for somebody to bet on a sports game if they can do it from the confines of their own home versus having to drive to a racetrack to do it. And that would have another impact as well. Um, And then the question then becomes, well, if they can do it online, who are they betting it with? Is it going to be connected to an account that also includes horse racing? Is there cross-sell between the two? Is there cross-promotion between the two? All of these things are going to be a major part of whether or not it helps or hurts harness racing. And to be honest with you, and not to take a cop out, but it's really up to the industry to figure out which way it's going to go. Do they utilize the sports wagering in an effective way to 
to cross-sell harness racing and cross-promote harness racing and make it easy for things like deposits and things like that so that people can do both together seamlessly? Or is horse racing going to be behind the times and not jump on the bandwagon and kind of just, you know, put their hand out and say, okay, well, you know, take some bets in sports betting and give us some money. That's not the way to go about it. Uh, and if it is, it's not going to go well. So it's really up to them which way it's going to go. Good, good stuff. Well, listen, Darren, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And uh, one real quick final question before we let you go in 30 seconds or less. Mm-hmm. How big of a boon is this going to be? I mean, period. Is this going to be a, a big thing? Obviously, we know it's going to take a big cut away from the offshore books, and we know the stat of how many millions of dollars have been wagered illegally through sports throughout the years. But uh, how big of a boon do you think this is going to be for uh, economies and everything? Yeah, I, I, like I said, if they make it easy to deposit and online and online sports betting happens in multiple states across the country, it, it's a very big boom. Uh, I think the, you know, the proof in the pudding is, you know, you've seen reports that my parent company, Patty Power Betfair, uh, is in talks to purchase FanDuel. Uh, that's a huge purchase, uh-huh. uh, a lot of money. Uh, they wouldn't do that if they didn't believe in it. Churchill Downs is taking a vested interest in New Jersey uh, to be in the sports betting racket and the Uh, online casino game. Uh, That's a huge move. So uh, William Hill, obviously, who is a British company, Nevada-based with Vegas, they have their position in New Jersey. All of these are monstrous companies that are saying we need to be a part of this. And, you know, that certainly tells you how they believe that it's going to be a huge boom. And if they believe it, I have no reason not to. Good stuff. Darren, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and it'll be interesting to see where this thing goes in the following months. Yeah, hopefully it works out well for everybody. Uh, Certainly interesting uh, over here at TVG, I can tell you that much. All right. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. That was TBG's Darren Zocali. Good stuff as always. Like we said, he's kind of been on top of this thing uh, ever since 2014 when the ball got rolling in the state of New Jersey. And yeah, Mike, there are just so many moving parts to this whole thing. I mean, trying to tax it, trying to do it correctly. And I think Darren brought up the best point. I mean, obviously, this is a big opportunity for a lot of different factions, a lot of different interests, I think, have a big stake on how this is going to work. So obviously it's very important that the first time around we get this thing right. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to mess this up. And Darren, I think, hit the nail right on the head by saying you want to do it quickly, but you also want to do it correctly. And you don't want to uh, rush this thing through. And then all of a sudden now there's lawsuits because somebody's bet didn't get commingled or what have you. So I think uh, he's on the right track there. All right, very quick timeout. When we come back to Meadowlands, Jason Suttlemore on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. At Bet America, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the Bet America way. Tradition, a race that has attracted some of the best pacers in the sport and provided some of the most thrilling finishes. At 35, the one big treasurer. This year, a new tradition begins. The Camp Luck Classic debuts at the raceway on a new date, Saturday, May 26th. A racing event named in honor of the Canadian great Cap Luck. Three in a row! World-class racing, games and giveaways, amazing food and beverage offerings. And new this year, a VIP infield party. 
don't miss the first ever Cam Luck Classic. For event details, visit westernfairdistrict.com. Join us for the Diamond Creek Farm Open House coming up on Saturday, June 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. Family-friendly activities include raffles, hayrides, food and drinks, meat cute foals, and much, much more. It's the Diamond Creek Farm Open House, located in Wellsville, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at DiamondCreekFarm.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's the Diamond Creek Farm Open House, Saturday, June 2nd. 2nd at 11 a.m. Be there! We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, but our conversation on the sports gambling continues. Sports wagering right now. We're joined by the Meadowlands' very own Jason Settlemore, certainly a very good friend of ours, good friend of the program. Jason, we appreciate you taking time out with us today. How are you? Uh, good, guys. How is everything there? All right? Are you guys yeah, sweating do it, do it. over there yet where you're at? <laughs> it's nonstop. It is supposed to it is supposed to keep raining here, I believe, until Sunday, which uh, it'll be interesting for Baltimore on Saturday. But obviously, Jason, a lot of big doings over the past couple of days, and it seems like this thing is is just changing hourly. I mean, you've got a lot of different uh, articles since uh, you know the announcement about the sports wagering now being legal, leaving it up to the states, let, letting them decide. Obviously, we just spoke to Darren Zocali, New Jersey, on the ground floor with this, with the legislation that was passed in 2014. Obviously, Jeff Corral is going to be out in the sulky tomorrow. I think everybody is looking forward to that interview. But, Jason, right now, from your perspective, tell us about how the Meadowlands is kind of uh, readying for uh, wh- what's uh, going to come down the road here the next couple of weeks or so. Well, obviously, uh, this has been uh, very exciting um, news uh, since Monday. Um, you know, the, the best thing about this is, is I think that uh, there is an opportunity uh, to be able to cross-market um, sports betting customers and and horse and, and horse racing customers. Um, I think there those there is a marriage there between um, between those two, um, the a symbiotic relationship, and I think that uh, you know to be able to get more people in the doors um, here at the Meadowlands, and it'll be you know to, to, I mean this is a beautiful facility, so we're you know we we've got our ideas and, and plans lined out um, of what we'd like to do. Obviously, we've got Victory Sports Bar. Um, which, in my opinion, is probably uh, the best. I'm not going to say probably. It is the best uh, sports bar in northern New Jersey. And then we also have uh, the QSR, um, which, you know, down on the east, down on the first floor towards New York City could host um, a a sports book. So uh, we've got those plans, and and, uh, we're waiting on the legislation to come back and tell us exactly uh, what we have to do and by when. Um, There was a report that came out this morning. Um, I know people are anxious to get the ball rolling on this, uh, but there was a report that came out this morning that I happened to see that said sports betting in New Jersey is not likely until June um, or what some of the officials are saying. Um, so, and our goal here at the Meadowlands Racetrack is to be up and going uh, before football season, or for football season. 
Visiting with Jason Settlemore from the Meadowlands. Jason, a quick follow-up because you talked about cross-promotion, and I think that's one of the most important things that we as a harness racing community can be talking about. We're going to have a lot of people in our buildings that wouldn't necessarily be there, obviously, because of the sports wagering. Now, my question to you, Jason, is, you know, with racinos, basically we're dealing with slot players and the mix of slot players and horse players in certain racinos. Now with the sports wagering, we're going to have a mix of horse players and sports uh, gamblers, so to speak, for lack of a better term. Do you think racing's got a better chance to latch on and get sports gamblers interested in our sport than slots players? Well, it's going to certainly depend on, you know, uh, that's, yes, my opinion is, is yes, is that I think it's an excellent opportunity for the horse racing industry to uh, be able to uh, get the sports bettors to watch horse racing um, and bet on horse racing. I think, again, there's a symbiotic relationship there uh, between the, the two of them. Um, you know, so, but, you know, again, it's going to depend on, you know, how, you know, the foot traffic, as you had indicated, you know, what is the law in New Jersey going to say? Is it going to say that, uh, you know, uh, brick and mortar and also um, online uh, the wagering as well? You know, how is that all going to work out? So there's a lot of things that are still uh, that we're waiting to see from a legislative standpoint, um, you know, about exactly how this this is going to to work out, um, you know. So, uh, but yes, if, if we're getting sports betters into the physical uh, property, um, I think it's it's very very important that we, you know, as an industry, as a horse racing industry, uh, make sure that we're putting our best foot forward, like we always should be, making sure that the, you know, customer service, making sure that the place is clean comfortable, um, you know, well-lit and, and feel secure, uh, those types of things. Um, so that these people want to, want to return back to, uh, the brick and mortar locations again. But yes, I think there is a relationship there. Um, and I'm excited. This is to me, um, an, another opportunity, uh, for horse racing to, to, uh, to show how beautiful and, and, and the sport is and, and the excitement, um, that's out there as well. Now, Jason, obviously, uh, uh, you touched on uh, not possibly not being able to open up until uh, about June, depending on the legislation and things of that sort. But in a couple of the articles that we've read, um, there, there has seemed to be some question as to whether New Jersey sports teams and things of that would be included. Do you think that that um, would um, – I'm trying to think of how to form my question here. How, do you think that would affect – uh, some of the, you know, handle obviously in your area uh, with all the hype around the Giants and all the hype around the Jets and things of that sort. You know, how do you think something like that would uh, would affect uh, things in your state? Well, first, I, I want to be very clear that, uh, you know, at the Meadowlands Racetrack, our target is for to be ready uh, to go by, by football season. Um, so I don't want anybody to think that we're going to be ready to jump here, you know, in, in June if that's what, what happens throughout, the, um, you know, down at Monmouth Park or those other places. And I, I don't obviously I'm not going to speak for them, but we're going to be ready for, for football season is, is our goal. Um, you know, we have a great relationship with the Giants and the Jets. Um, and again, I think that in New Jersey, um, you're, you're going to see part of that legislation um, uh, talk about teams playing at home 
um, and collegiate teams, you know, uh, within the state and uh, whether you're able to wager if they're at home um, and those types of things. Uh, so, you know, a lot of it is going to depend on the legislation, and uh, all of us are very anxious to see um, what the final bills come out to say, um, you know, even from a taxation standpoint, which is which is very obviously very, very important. Um, you know, one of the greatest things about this legislation is is that, you know, the, the Supreme Court's ruling on Monday is, is that we know there's, you know, billions and billions. I, I've heard anywhere from $150 billion to $450 billion that was bet in the black market illegally, and we know that that's going on. So this Supreme Court ruling, uh, you know, handing it back to the states makes this, there's an opportunity for the states to be able to obviously do this legally and to get rid of that black market uh, to say, is it going to happen overnight? Absolutely not. Um, but there are billions of dollars here at stake, and that, that you know it becomes taxable revenue for the state of New Jersey and the other states that follow suit, and also um, being able to put people back to work. Um, so there's a lot of important uh, economic points to this as well, uh, from from a state standpoint and, and uh, the taxation standpoint of this, um, and the legislation. You know, we're all anxiously waiting to see. Um, what that legislation is going to say here in New Jersey. So, um, and part of it, you know, like I was answering your question there, is that, you know, whether you can bet on teams uh, that are at home um, in New Jersey, you know, and, and also what, what are they going to do with the, with the college um, athletic programs um, as well as far if, if there's going to be any legislation that, that tells you what you can and can't do. Um, but we have a great relationship with the, the Jets and the Giants. Uh, Mr. Garau has met with them on several different occasions. And uh, like I said, we're, we're really excited about this. I think there's a lot of opportunity, um, you know, and a lot of it's just going to depend on what the legislation says. Um, you know, I've heard that part of the legislation is is that, you know, for rebates and bonuses and complimentary things that the customer has to physically go to the brick-and-mortar facility to get those if, if there's an online portion of this. Um, so, you know, those things are, you know, being able to get those people in here to see this uh, fantastic property um, and, and, and show them the horse racing part of this is very exciting to me. <laughs> Visiting with Jason Settlemore. Jason, one final question before we let you go. Obviously, you know, when you're dealing with uh, in, in Racino states, horsemen get a different cut. You know, they've got a percentage of the purses that comes out of that particular fund. What right now, is it too early to ask, is there anything in it for the horsemen right now? Is, that a little, is it a little too early to ask right now? I don't know that it's a little too early to ask. I think that uh, what this does is is that you know this certainly helps out the the Meadowlands racetrack um, and and in our position, and uh, in, in that Mr. Garral does not uh, is not going to have to continue to write uh, checks to keep the uh, the the property afloat. Um, you know, so but it, it's it's yet to be seen. And Jeff and, and, and the Thoroughbred Horsemen are still working very very hard um, in the state of New Jersey with the with the legislators to try to get the uh, the 30 million dollars subsidy back uh, for the for the racetracks that was uh, that you know when they were privatized. So they're working very hard on that, um, and that certainly would be a huge boost. Um, you know, for the horse racing industry here in New Jersey. So uh, let's just wait and see uh, what it says legislatively. And, you know, let's just 
thank goodness that we have this first step in front of us that the the Supreme Court uh, overruled PASPA and, and, and deemed it unconstitutional and that, um, you know, it's gone back to the states. And, you know, I think that there's always there's you can always talk about the, the negative of things, but let's talk about the positive things right now. And I know that this is certainly going to help Jeff in, in not having to write these these huge checks on a yearly basis to, to keep the Meadowlands racetrack afloat. So. All right. Well, listen, Jason, we certainly appreciate you joining us. It's an exciting time. Still some uncertainty as to how it's going to play out, but it's certainly an exciting time in New Jersey and some other states as well as, as this thing will uh, slowly get uh, rocking and rolling. But Jason, we appreciate you joining us and uh, maybe we'll check in with you in a month or so and see how things are progressing. Yeah, sounds good to me, guys. And uh, like I said, I think this, this is a great opportunity for horse racing. So we need to make sure that we're putting our, our uh, best foot forward um, and, and showing these people that are betting on sports how beautiful our sport is and how great it can be. Fantastic. Thank you so much, my friend. All right. Take it easy, guys. Be well, my friends. Bye. That was Jason Suttlemore. Good stuff. We had Darren Zocali the first 15 minutes, Jason Suttlemore the next 15 minutes. And, and I'll tell you the recurring theme, Mike, that I'm getting from talking to those two gentlemen here on our program. The recurring theme is that racing really needs to take advantage of the sports bettors that are in our facilities. We have to really make an attempt to enlighten them on our product. Yeah, definitely. We got to get them in the buildings and we got to get them, uh, you know, we got to get them there to see uh, horse racing in general. And I think that this is going to help uh, a little bit there, because if you think about it, Jason said something kind of interesting that uh, to get their rewards and to get their rebates, they're actually going to have to be on the brick and mortar uh, facilities. So that could uh, definitely uh, throw a wrench in some of this stuff. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a time out. Don't go anywhere. Our program's just beginning. It's Janine Gessick, our good friend from Pacing for the Cure, and she's got some special guests that are going to be joining us on the program, Elaine Vonko and Ross Perry. So you're not going to go want to go anywhere. This is going to be a, a fun segment coming up here in just a few minutes. Plus, Matt Kikaley, Richard Matei, and much more on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Back in just a moment. Over the past 25 years, Hoosier Park has revolutionized harness racing across the nation. The action returns Friday, March 30th, with racing every Tuesday through Saturday, starting at 6.30 p.m. Join the revolution at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Visit HoosierPark.com for more information. Mike Bozich here along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. 
12 championship races. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick got a coast home champion here. Breeders' Crown 2018 coming to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Pitching up the rail. Modern legend there. Foiled again. Dead game. Clear vision laid on the outside. Pit Rock on the inside. Photo finish. Foiled again. And Pit Rock together. with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. Still plenty left to come on this edition of the big show here today. Rich Matei is going to be joining us in about 10, 15 minutes or so. We're going to talk just a little bit of Preakness, just a little bit. Mike Carter, you uh, is your long shot of the day justify uh, got a big shot Saturday? <laughs> I don't think so. I think, uh, no, I'm kidding. I think justify is uh, the one to beat. And uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this kind of all plays out and, uh you know, works out. But uh, John Service has got an interesting horse in here as well, Mike. And, you know, if we're looking at this from a long shot play, uh, talking from uh, perspective a little bit, uh, he's won the Preakness before with Smarty Jones. He might have a chance as well. That's right. That'd certainly be interesting. So we're going to have Rich Matei to talk about that in about 10, 15 minutes or so. Plus driver Matt Kikaley is going to be joining us as well. Of course, Matt, uh, with that spill a little while back, is making his return to the races, and it's very, very good to uh, have Matt back. So we'll talk to Matt at uh, probably near the bottom of the hour. But first, it is our good friends at Pacing for the Cure, and we're going to bring in Janine Gessick uh, first. Janine's got some special guests, Elaine Vaco, Ross Perry. We're going to talk to them. But first, let's bring Janine in. Hi, Janine. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you today? We are fantastic. And usually we we tape these segments, so this is a little bit different. We're doing something live here, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's, it's good to mix it up a little bit. And we've got some questions for Elaine and Ross. We're going to bring them in here in just a minute or so. But you've got a big event coming up, uh, and it's actually not too far from Harris Philly, right up the road. Tell us about that. Yes, we are having an event at the Philadelphia Phillies. It's the Phillies versus the Braves on Monday the 21st at 7 p.m. So we would love to invite the entire community to come out and support us. The Phillies um, give us a portion of the ticket sales. For every ticket we sell, a portion of that um, ticket sale goes directly to Pacing for the Cure. So the more people we get out to support us, um, the better off um, we'll be in the end. And all that they have to do is go to phillies.com forward slash Pacing for the Cure. They can find their seat on the seat map. The Phillies have created a splash page. They can select their seat where the Pacing for the Cure section is and pay directly online. So it's really simple. It's easy. We love people to come out and join us for that, that next event. Boy, it sounds like a fantastic, fantastic day. I know uh, we're going to have some representation here from Harris, Philadelphia. I know you know Rob Pennington. Rob's going to be out there. Rich Matei, the natural. I might join him as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a, certainly going to be a fun time. And I urge each and every one of you, if you can make it, to, to try to go out there. But, Janine, you've got some special guests here, and let's bring them in. Elaine Vaco and Ross Perry also joining us on the program. We'll start with uh, Elaine. Elaine, how are you today? Oh, really great. 
Well, fantastic. And we how are appreciate you? you. Uh, we're doing great, and we certainly appreciate you taking time out and joining us here on this. Uh, well, I guess it could be a better uh, day weather-wise, but uh, nonetheless, uh, let's talk a little bit about pacing for the cure. Hi, Elaine, how did you uh, first learn about pacing for the cure? I heard about them through friends and family, and at the time, I didn't. I needed something to get around with. And they came and helped me get a scooter, and that made my life so much easier. Wow, I can do now around great. the house. Now oh, that's fantastic. That that is absolutely fantastic. Uh, let's bring in Ross Perry. Ross, let's ask you: How did you uh, first learn about pacing for the cure? Oh well, I uh, first let me tell you, I'm a former horseman. Uh, Traced our trained and raced horses for about 30 years, and since the MS took over my life, I've had a kind of detachment from the horse business. And I, only place I ever saw it was on the computer. I followed the racing from the Meadowlands tracks all over the country, and uh, that's where I first saw it on racing for the Meadowlands. And I, I kind of ignored it when it first came on because I didn't realize what it was. And then after watching it, I realized. It was for MS, and I have MS. And uh, then I made the contact with Jeff and Janine on the emailed them, and then Jeff called me back. So it was on Racing for the Meadowlands is where I first saw it. That's that's fantastic. Let's uh, let's throw this next question at Elaine. Elaine, what do you think makes Pacing for the Cure unique as compared to some of the other nonprofit organizations out there? They get there and they work with the people. They're right there, and they're doing the racing and everything with the people so they know what's going on. And, uh, Ross, what do you, same question to you. Uh, what do you think makes Pacing for the Cure stand out unique compared to some of the others? Well, number one, like I said, it was the, the, the racetrack connection, first of all, the horsemen they've helped and everything. And the, uh, as she said, their hands-on commitment, where I dealt directly with Jeff, you know, it wasn't with a organization, and uh, I've dealt with the uh, Multiple Sclerosis Society of America. I've dealt with the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, and they're very much into research and education and helping people, you know, a little bit with their problems. But uh, Jeff and Janine, their hands-on commitment to giving people what they need to improve their daily lives is uh, very important. Visiting with uh, Janine Gessick. And uh, Elaine Vonko and Ross Perry. Elaine, I know you kind of touched on it a little bit when we uh, spoke the first time here, but uh, I think it it, it it bears repeating. What uh, support is Pacing for the Cure provided to you? They provided me with a scooter so I could do more chores around the house. I can get out and get my mail and talk to people and also take my dog out and give him walks. And Ross, what about you? Uh, well, basically, I'm sitting in the chair that they got for me. It's a, a power lift recliner, uh, which I couldn't by no means afford. And it's also a little bit of a specialty item because since I've got the MS, I am overweight. And uh, uh, they uh, they paid for it entirely. And I'm sitting right in it right now, and it got me out of my bedroom. I pretty much had spent my entire day's in my bed other than when I drove somewhere because I can walk a little bit, but not, but not far. So I'm sitting in a wonderful recliner lounge chair one right now that they provided for me. 
Elaine, one final question uh, before we let you go. Would you recommend uh, others get involved as donors, sponsors, volunteers, what have you, to support uh, Pacing for the Cure? Oh, yes. That way it would help more people. It would be wonderful if more people got involved because there are so many people with MS and they don't know they even have it yet. Yeah. Ross? Uh, yeah, same thing. About the, uh, you know, the like I say, the difference in their organization with the hands-on help and the actual uh, physical things they give to people is is a huge, huge connection. Like I say, they got me out of my bedroom. Uh, they got me in a chair. Uh, they helped me 100%, and it's a it's a great organization. And they're not just into, you know, the cure. They're into helping the people that already have the problem. And being the connection with the racetracks, which, like I said, was part of my life for 30 years, is a is a real a real big thing for me. Like I raced at the Meadowlands myself one time, and it it, 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 it that kind of touched my heart. You know that the the horsemen were being helped. All right. Well, Janine, don't go anywhere. We want to hold on to you for a couple of minutes. But Elaine Ross, listen, we certainly appreciate you guys uh, taking time out of your days to join us here on the Post Time with Mike and Mike show. Fantastic stories. And uh, Elaine, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you. All right, Ross, thank you, sir. Okay, thank you, and uh, very nice. No, I think we just lost Ross. (laughs) That's all right. I'll tell you what, it was – Janine, let's bring Janine uh, back here. And uh, Janine, great stuff. I mean, good stories. And, you know, I'll tell you, God bless you and Jeff for for taking such an active role in helping people out and improving their quality of lives. And I I, I think that's what it's all about in the end. If we can improve quality of lives to live as normal of a life as possible, you know, battling this disease, I think that's just a tremendous victory. Absolutely. And I think... I have to say, Mike, uh, Jeff and I are so touched by the individuals that we meet when we are out at our events that have multiple sclerosis, and we hear their stories and their struggles, and we understand. We've had family members go through similar situations, and we are committed to helping more people, you know, who are struggling with things like when you're hearing, I can now leave my home. I can now leave my bed. I mean, it's simple things that people are looking for help and support that this disease takes away from them. So the basic things that we all take for granted, getting out of bed and being able to walk to the kitchen or to to our mailbox to get our mail, people with MS are struggling to do that. And Jeff and I are committed to help them get the equipment, get the services that they need, and, and as well, most importantly, supporting MS research to help find a cure so that more people don't suffer with this um, debilitating disease. Janine, that's a question that, you know, I I think needs to be discussed because, you know, from an outsider point of view when it comes to this, I'm really not sure where is, as far as like research goes and in finding a cure, I mean, how how much progress have we actually made in, in, in that regard? Well, the research is is really looking promising, where for a very long time, the MS researchers weren't sure what the exact cause of MS was. It's pretty clear now that the research is showing that it is an autoimmune disease. So there is something going on at the cellular level within um, a, a person's makeup 
that's causing their own immune system to attack itself, to go against itself. And that's what happens is that the nerves get affected. They call the, the myelin breaks down, and then it affects the connection with the nerves. So that's why people have issues with mobility, um, vision, because you have nerves throughout your entire body. So you can have impacts to your vision, impacts to your walking, um, all the things that we need to do to function every day. So the research is pretty conclusive in that area. And what the researchers are, are now focused on is targeting more specific research around um, viruses that can impact the immune system. And they're looking at um, the actual blood work of people that have had certain viruses. And they're kind of running that through their research mechanisms to see, does this virus, is there something about this virus that's causing the immune system to react in a certain way? Because we're all exposed to viruses every day. Right. So um, it's very great stuff happening um, in the research world. We, um, we are working very closely with a, an MS researcher in Philadelphia, Dr. Jeffrey Greenstein, who has dedicated his entire life's work to not only seeing patients with MS, but also doing MS research. And um, he's doing some really great um, work there um, in this particular area, which is human-based immunology research. So he's looking at human blood and from his, his own patients who are, who are consenting for him to use his blood to actually come to, you know, to get a little bit more specificity on what's, what exactly is happening within the body. So it's pretty exciting stuff, but I think, you know, research, they need money. They need yeah. money to continue to do this. And so when people support us, Mike, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have overhead. You know, we don't have a payroll. So the money that comes to us goes directly out to the Elaines, to the Ross Perrys of this world, to whoever needs the support and to MS Research. So people can be assured if they donate to our organization, their money's being well spent. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's why we're, we're so passionate because we hear the Ross stories and the Elaine stories every day, every day, you know, 2.5 million people worldwide are affected by this, by this disease. And, you know, it, it really can be very disabling um, for people. And so we want to make sure that they have what they need to be able to live um, a comfortable life, um, a life that allows them some freedom because this disease can take a lot of freedom away. Um, so we are committed to doing that, and we really need everyone's support to help get behind us. And to, you know, so if people are considering, you know, haven't donated this year to any nonprofits yet, um, and they're within this harness racing industry, I know you have a big community, we would so love and welcome their support to help us help more people like Elaine and Ross. Fantastic. And uh, one final question before we let you go. If uh, somebody's interested in donating or working with you guys, what's the best way, the easiest way uh, they can get a hold of you? Uh, they can go directly to our website, pacingforthecure.org. Click the Donate button. Very safe, secure online donation portal. They can go in directly and do that. We'd also love people to come out at our events and support us, the Phillies, Monday, May 21st, 7 p.m. Come on, who doesn't love a baseball game? Come on out, support us, 
help us raise more money. Um, we know it's not going to rain, or at least I'm going to predict it's not going to rain Monday night. Um, so come out to our events, volunteer. We're always looking for people to volunteer at our events as well to sponsors. Please, we're looking for people to help sponsor our events, our annual dinner parties in Harrisburg this year. So um, we'd love to have people help and, you know, sponsor those events, but they can always donate online at pacingforthecure.org. Fantastic stuff. Janine, we certainly appreciate you joining us. God bless you guys. You guys do great, great work, and we are so appreciative of you. Once again, anybody listening out there, please visit the website because it's it's good stuff, and it's, it's for just a, a super cause. Thank you so much, Janine. Thank you, too. Thank you for your support. Have a great day. All right, that was Janine Gessick. Uh, wow, Mike, some good stuff right there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some good feel, uh, good stories. And uh, I'll tell you, that group does a fantastic job uh, for everybody, Mike. And uh, I know per, from personal experience, uh, having multiple sclerosis in the family, how debilitating it can be, and uh, just some great stuff that they're doing. All right. Well, we still have lots left on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, the natural rich Matanes in the on deck circle. Plus, we're going to talk to Matt Kaylee about his comeback coming up. Back to the uh, back to the good old sulky, and it's good to see Matt back. We'll talk to Matt a little bit about that coming up in just a few minutes on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Excitement. Keystone Velocity in 147 and 3. That's the new track record. Competitive racing and full fields equal big payoffs. Six roses at 35 to 1. Bang! Soon go the fireworks. Catch exciting live harness racing at Rosecroft Raceway. Two days a week, every Wednesday at 6.40 and Sunday at 4.40. Rosecroft has an industry-low 12% takeout on the Pink Five. Rosecroft Raceway, we race. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. We're back 
on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by the natural Rich Matei as he gives us his one to nine preakness pick. And uh, Rich, what's going on, buddy? How are you doing? All right, Rich. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Preakness stakes coming up on uh, Saturday. Uh, obviously, a loaded field and Justify is the talk of the town, uh, especially with the rain coming in and how he handled the slap at Churchill Downs. Yeah, I know they were supposed to get four inches of rain this week in the Baltimore area. And I think today was the first day he went to the track and they said he was fine. A horse that actually wasn't handling the track during training hours was good magic. So we'll wait and see what happens. But they both handled the slop at Churchill Downs, so you never know. Now, Diamond King drew post number four, and obviously this is a new name uh, that we're hearing uh, for trainer John Service. I think we all remember John Service's uh, run at history with Smarty Jones. Uh, he puts Javier Castellano up. What do you make of Diamond King? Um... I don't like him. I don't think he wants to go this far. He's going to have to deal with Quip and maybe even Bravazo or Sporting Chance up on the pace and even Justify because we saw what Justify did at Churchill Downs. I think they should have waited to run a Belmont Stakes Day and the Woody Stevens, but it's only a field eight. It's a triple crown race, so why not take a shot? Now, Rich, how else do you kind of see this race playing out, and uh, who else do you like uh, besides uh, the horse that's probably going to be, you know, one to two, one to five in Justify? Well, I saw that there was going to be a decent amount of speed. You got the other Windstar Farm horse Quip in the race. He's going to leave for post one. He's a fresh horse, so he's probably going to show some speed. Sporting Chance actually was up on the pace at sprint races as a two-year-old, so he's going to show some speed. So I think Justify and maybe Good Magic are going to get the good trips. But Chad Brown always already said that uh, Good Magic was going to run the race of his life at Churchill Downs, and he actually ran really well. But he still was three lengths beaten by Justify. A horse that ran good in the Kentucky Derby that is sneaky is Bravazo. He's the eight horse. He was wide the whole way, and instead of giving up, this horse kept running. I mean, nobody really made up any ground except for Audible in the Kentucky Derby. But the way he was hung out to dry the whole way, he could have called it quits. But he still ran a decent sixth. I was actually very surprised he ran sixth when I saw the order of finish. But I watched his race. He'll be a horse that I'm going to use. He just seemed like a horse that liked the slop. He's been training well at Pimlico. Rich Mike Bozich here. Uh, after the Derby, uh, the Facebook video that was going viral uh, was pointing to justify. Everybody said justify was lame, and and uh, there's a couple of different things that came out of the Bob Baffert barn that was trying to explain why justify looked the way he did. Is that a distant memory now? Is that any worry coming into this race? Should anybody that's going to bet justify on top and the gimmicks or in the multi race wages is that a worry? No, because Bob Baffert wouldn't run him. He is one of the top trainers in the country. And even though he won the Kentucky Derby and wants a triple crown, he's not going to run a horse if he's lame. He went to the track last week at Churchill Downs. He wore a three-quarter shoe to protect the foot bruise. And when he went training this morning, he's wearing a regular shoe. So I think it's all systems go for Justify on Saturday. 
Now, Rich, one more question before we let you go. Uh, anybody else that you like on Friday or Saturday, maybe a price play? Uh, race number eight, that's the Chick Lang Stakes. I like the eight-horse all-time revival. This horse actually ran second in the Gotham Stakes at Aqueduct. He often enticed by maybe two lengths, and we saw Entice run in the Kentucky Derby. I know he didn't do much running, but he's not facing a horse like Entice on Saturday. And in the Wood Memorial, I think the jockey lost to iron, and the horse got really rank and opened up on the field and set a fast pace. And he actually ran after that at Laurel Park in a sprint. He didn't win. He was 3-5 to five and lost. But that was against older horses, which we know is difficult to do this time of year for a 3-year-old. Now he's back in with straight 3-year-olds. He's sprinting, which I like. I think he's going to show speed from that outside post, and he's 20-1 to one on the morning line. All right, Rich. Well, listen, uh, let's have some fun on Saturday, and uh, hopefully we'll be cashing some tickets. Hopefully. All right, Rich. Thanks so much. We'll uh, talk with you soon, okay? Hopefully. Oh, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, Rich. Get out of here. What was he on the road? What was that noise Listen, in the background? It must have been windshield wipers. Yeah, it must have been. He was, he was talking about driving through some heavy rain when he was coming out of Jersey there. Anyways, well, before we get to back at Kelly, I think uh, my pick is going to be Justify this weekend, Mike. I think uh, he's going to take it down and head to Belmont Park uh, with a shot at the Triple Crown. Yeah, and I think Rich Matei brought it up right, Mike. He said last week, that, or the week before, that uh, if Justify wins the Derby, he'll win the Triple Crown, and I think he's got every chance to do that. I don't think the Preakness will be an issue. We'll see what Belmont brings. I mean, you're going a mile and a half, so we'll have to see what that brings. But nonetheless, Matt Gacaley is in the on-deck circle. We're going to be joined by him, and still much more to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Join us for the Diamond Creek Farm Open House coming up on Saturday, June 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. Family-friendly activities include raffles, hayrides, food and drinks, meat cute foals, and much, much more. It's the Diamond Creek Farm Open House, located in Wellsville, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at diamondcreekfarm.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's the Diamond Creek Farm Open House, Saturday, June 2nd. Second at 11 a.m. Be there. It's a race steeped in tradition, a race that has attracted some of the best pacers in the sport and provided some of the most thrilling finishes. For the first time at 35 to one, take treasurer. This year, a new tradition begins. The Camp Luck Classic debuts at the raceway on a new date, Saturday, May 26th. A racing event named in honor of the Canadian great Cat Luck. Three in a row! World-class racing, games and giveaways, amazing food and beverage offerings. And new this year, a VIP infield party. Don't miss the first ever Cam Luck Classic. For event details, visit westernfairdistrict.com. Over the past 25 years, Hoosier Park has revolutionized harness racing across the nation. The action returns Friday, March 30th, with racing every Tuesday through Saturday, starting at 6.30 p.m. Join the revolution at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Visit HoosierPark.com for more information. Hey! 
We're back in this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by driver Matt Kakili. And Matt, I know the first thing that uh, everybody is wondering is, how are you feeling, my friend? I'm feeling really good. I'm really good, and I'm ready to rock and roll for the weekend. Now, talk to us a little bit about uh, what, what's going on uh, come, leading back up to Saturday. Obviously, uh, you uh, had some substantial injuries at Yonkers Raceway. Uh, kind of take us back to uh, your road for recovery. I know the last time we talked to you, I had, you had just gotten out of surgery uh, the night before, and you were gracious enough to answer our questions. But uh, talk to us about your recovery since then. Um, you know, it was, it's been a long two months, I can tell you that. You know, um, when it first happened, I was worried I was never going to be able to drive a horse again, to be honest with you. My eye, I had uh, pretty good injuries in my eye, and um, I didn't even have a, a, a lower, the lower eyelid was ripped right off. I was looking at a picture the other day, and I just can't believe it, you know. Um, I was scared there for a few days, but, you know, I had a good team of doctors and good family and friends to take care of me, and um, I'm feeling great now. It was, it was a long two months, but, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's a clear sailing now. Well, I'll tell you what, it seemed like, Matt, that the racing community was really behind you. I mean, the you know, social media, Twitter, Facebook, everything was blown up with well wishes and, you know, people, uh, you know, wishing you a speedy recovery and can't wait to see you back on the bike. That had to mean a lot to you that so many people took time out to, to kind of, you know, wish you well and everything. That that had to be good for the psyche. It It, it really was. You know, um, I was in a pretty low place and um, you know, I was, I was scared, you know, but everybody just, just the text and the, the Facebook comments and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a lot, but time like that, it, it means a lot more than anybody could really realize. Now, obviously, Matt, you're getting ready to drive on a Saturday. What are your thoughts kind of getting to getting back in the sulky? Is it one of those that it's kind of like you just jump back on and kind of get back into it? Or is it something that you kind of have to uh, go a little bit slow and take your time with? Um, you know, I, I went last Friday down to Jersey and I trained some horses for Ronnie just to see how it felt and make sure everything was good with the shoulder and, you know, it didn't hurt or it wasn't giving me any issues after and it, it felt great. And then I went with some qualifiers yesterday and again, no issues. Um, you know, it, it took a few to, to, you know, the first few would kind of felt a little different, you know, it was a little odd, but after the first couple, it was like, I was never, you know, never away from it. Visiting with driver Matt Kakeli. All right, Matt. So you're back. Let's uh, let, let, let's shelve let's shelve that talk. You're back. You're uh, going to be hitting 100 percent here in just a little bit. But tell us about uh, some of the live drives that perhaps you're looking forward to here in 2018. What are some of the horses that you're looking to sit behind? And what's 2018 look like for one Matt Kakeli? Um, You know, I think Ronnie's got a pretty good group of two-year-olds that I think we're all pretty excited about. So I'm definitely looking forward to them. I I love the babies. I love racing two-year-olds and teaching them and stuff like that so you know this time of the year i'm always looking forward to them um a couple other horses dorsadoro hanover he's in saturday um you know he, he had a kind of a bad luck two-year-old season but he, i was always a fan of the colt so I'm, I'm looking forward to him and of course you know all bets off he's, he's something special to me and he wasn't very good in the levy series but hopefully ronnie's got um you know his issues worked out and hopefully he's ready for a good summer and I, you know, I love that horse. So if he, if he starts firing on all cylinders, it's going to be a great summer for me with him. 
Yeah, Matt, obviously the stake season kind of gets underway with the Battle of Lake Erie at Northfield Park. Uh, obviously, Ohio, a hometown, and we've been privy to seeing you on uh, that kind of night, and obviously without seeing the entries, we won't know if we're going to see you or not, but what is the stake season, and what does that kind of uh, mean to you coming up, being back in time for all that stuff? It means everything. I mean, this is the time of the year that, you know, this is what we live for. This is what we want to do. We want to race stakes. We want to travel around and, you know, race these kind of horses, and um, you know, the timing, you know, obviously it was a terrible thing, but the timing could have been worse. Um, you know, so for me to be back for the stake season is, is huge. And I can't wait, you know, sitting there not racing for two months. All I could think about was, you know, I got to be healthy for the stakes because that's what I want to do. And, you know, when it's, it's right around the corner, so I'm getting really excited. All right, fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt, it's great to hear your voice. We read the USTA article. It's just fantastic to have you back in the bike, my friend. You've always, you know, come out of your way to to be on the show and have done some great things for us. So we really appreciate it, and we wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward in 2018, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Thanks. All right, that was driver Matt Kikaley. Just good to hear his voice, Mike. I mean, you know, it's – these guys, when you watch them drive, they make it look so easy. And, you know, we're and we're both up at announcers' booths and we're calling the races and these guys are professionals. They make it look so easy. But there is, without question, a great element of danger when you're, I mean, when you're going 35, 40 miles an hour behind a, behind a harness horse, Mike. I mean, there's, you know, with, with no cushion, there's, there's definitely a big, you know, you just got to be safe out there. That's all. There's a big danger. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that statement. And like I told him when I was talking to him just a few minutes ago, I remember specifically texting him, uh, you know, a couple nights after surgery and just, you know, trying, you know, trying to get his spirits uplifted. Uh, You know, it's never a fun thing. I mean, that would be like an announcer losing their eyesight. Uh, It's just one of those things where, you know, if you're all of a sudden you're never able to do what you were doing before, it really affects with your mental psyche. And I think uh, Matt did a heck of a job pulling himself out of it and uh, getting ready to go on Saturday. I get that question all the time announcing races. People are emailing me, "Hey, is your eyesight okay? Are you seeing right?" You know, Some, sometimes I sometimes I wonder uh, wonder about myself every once in a while. But I also, uh, you know, it's just you know, listen. And then you know, you know, I've really been paying attention uh, to the to the couple of newsletter stories that you wrote about what's really going on in uh, an announcer's mind. Cause then I hear you say things like um, unwanted company and I start laughing now cause I can't, you know, I just go right back to that article. You thought, I'll tell you what, you thought I was absolutely crazy when I told you that way back when I told you, I said, listen, <laughs> you're going to have this voice going on in your head. That's going to be telling you things and, and you're going to have this conversation going on. And that conversation is not going to, make it down to your vocal cords <laughs> to get over the mic. And uh, you kind of thought I was crazy when I was telling you that, but was I right or was I right? Oh, oh no, you are totally right. There's been a couple <laughs> of instances where, uh, in fact, I remember the first time it ever happened. It was at Buffalo Raceway and uh, Buffalo doesn't have a ton of grand circuit events or anything of that sort. So uh, the Niatros knockout final, uh, my first season there uh, was kind of their um, late closer series. Uh, it was a big $25,000 uh, stake uh for the four claimers. And I just told myself, you know what? I just want to get through the race. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to do anything like that. And this is the truth. And it's on YouTube. If you want to go take a look at it, uh, to, to, to verify my story. Well, they went around the first turn and I could not for the life of me, get my brain and mouth to talk to each other. And I started to stutter and in my head, I'm going, Mike, shut, shut up. Stop talking. (laughs) Shut up. Stop talking. And I couldn't get the just couldn't get the stutter to stutter to go away. 
And, uh, you know, it, it just, it happens. I mean, you know, that those things happen and you kind of get jumbled up and, uh, sometimes they come in the uh, most inopportune times. That's for sure. Absolutely. That's why, you know, I mean, guys like Larry Colmas and, uh, Travis Stone and, and Tom Durkin, you know, I mean, there's guys that have to call that 20 horse field the first Saturday in May, boy, I'll tell you what, I give them all the props and all the credit in the world, because that has to be. One of the most difficult things, especially Mike in the slop. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, I, I you know I remember I think it was uh, the year American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown. Larry Calmus, he for those of you who don't know, Larry Calmus called the Preakness outside. Um, you know he he you know he's got a small little tent that sits right above him, but he called the Preakness stakes outside, and when it poured and thunder and lightning. He, I remember hearing him say uh, to the TV guy, he said, you better keep that TV handy because I'm going to need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, you know, and, and by any means necessary a lot of times. I think when you're calling a race, I mean, you've got to use every when, – when the elements get so extreme, I think you have to use every trick available. Sometimes there's the monitor – you know, then you have to use every trick available. Like we were talking about, Mike, when especially calling thoroughbred races, you know, I mean, you've got to use caps, you've got to use shadow rolls, you've got to use face masks, you've got to use so many different tricks of the trade to try to, you know, to try to uh, uh, see the horses, because a lot of times you're not going to be able to see what number, you're not going to be able to see that saddle towel. My 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 uh, my favorite indicator is a gray horse, unless there's two. Oh, of them. that's a free. And spot. then and then you're really then you're in trouble because then you got to remember which one's which, and then you got to hope one of them's not a three or an eight because then you're really gonna get thrown off. That's a, yeah yeah well, yeah. But usually a gray's a free spot. I mean, if you get one, if you get like three or four, then that could be an issue. But uh, nonetheless, I think the gray's the free spot. Well, what do you think, Mike? You think we should wrap this thing up? Yeah, why not? Let's uh, wrap it up, and uh, we're going to take a very short time out when we come back. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Attention all breeding funds! Did you know Pacing for the Cure has a stud fee for scooter program? Your stud fee donations will help those living with MS with severe mobility limitations obtain a scooter and be able to continue to enjoy their love of harness racing. Contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org if you'd like to make a donation. Mike? In case you haven't noticed, Mr. Bill G. has begun pacing for the cure for multiple sclerosis. Join in on the fun and weekly contest on Facebook to guess where he will place in each race. Like and share our page. Great prizes available for the lucky winners. Better yet, come out to the racetrack and watch him race live. Let's start a Mr. Bill G. fan club and start blogging on the journey page of the pacingforthecure.org website. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Excitement. Keystone! 
own velocity in 147-3. That's a new track record. Competitive racing at full fields equal big payoffs. Six roses at 35 to 1. Bang! Soon go the fireworks. Catch exciting live harness racing at Rosecroft Raceway. Two days a week, every Wednesday at 6.40 and Sunday at 4.40. Rosecroft has an industry-low 12% takeout on the Pink 5. Rosecroft Raceway, we race. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. All right, we're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, wrapping this thing up. Don't forget, we are here every Thursday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll have another great show coming up for you next week. But, uh, Mike, for those of you, and, and we, we got some emails wondering where the Post Times newsletter was this week, and we, we're just going to say this, that there are some exciting things coming up here at post time with Mike and Mike over the next couple of months. We've got some great, great things that'll be heading your way And the newsletter. Mike is going to take a little bit of a different direction. So we want each and every one of you to stay tuned for that, because I'll tell you what, over the next couple of months, Mike, there's going to be some exciting times here on this program. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we're just, you know, kind of revamping things, kind of taking a look at what we're going to do versus what we're not. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see how it all kind of plays out. Yeah, it certainly is. So make sure you uh, stay logged on to our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Of course, if you haven't followed us on Twitter yet or if you haven't liked us on Facebook, what are you waiting for? If you do that, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. And over the next couple of months, uh, I'll tell you what, it's going to be some exciting times here at Post Time with Mike and Mike. And speaking of that, real quick, Mike, we've got our very first remote of the 2018 campaign coming up, Mike Carter. Are you looking forward to Western Fair? Yes, sir. We hit the road next week. We're super excited, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Join us for the Molson Pace coming up on a new night. Excuse me, the Camelot Classic <laughs> on a new night next Saturday, May the 26th. We'll see you back here next Thursday with the first post of 1030. Good night, everybody. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.